got a chance to talk with Kathy before she performed as Mary Magdalene to just talk about how differently we come into Sunday morning. We come in, some of us in our Easter best, that's not as expected as it was when I was a kid. I could not wrestle my kid into pink to save my life. I tried. Uh, but we, we come ready for a party, right? Like we get to come into Easter immediately saying, he is risen. He is risen indeed, right? You want to try that again? The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. And so we get to come in expecting a party. But that's not how the early followers of Jesus experienced Sunday morning. In fact, I um, tend to think that they rolled out and just expected it to be one of those awful days. Have, have any of you had a day this week where you just, it just started and you're like, this is just not going to go well, like you just knew from go? Either you woke up late or you had a meeting you weren't prepared for. Or you're sure somebody's mad at you and you don't know why, right? And it's just going to be a long day and you just know before it even starts. That's how I imagine the disciples experienced Sunday morning. Because Friday, Jesus had died. Saturday was full of all the religious rituals of Sabbath, so they knew what to do on Saturday. But come Sunday, it's the first day of the week and things just have to keep on, right? And so what we see in the Easter story is the disciples all wake up to that terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day in different ways. Uh, the women get to work putting oil together to go entomb Jesus' body. We know at least one couple who followed Jesus decided, I guess this is now when we go back home and just live in our disappointment. And we know that most of the rest of the followers of Jesus huddled together in a locked room. They were afraid that what had happened to Jesus was going to happen to them, that people were going to come and kill them too. So they huddled in an upper room. And just the whole day proved to be a day of disappointment. Except for this like one little blip of a moment mid-morning when a couple women came back and said Jesus was gone, right? A couple of them ran back to see if that was true. But they didn't see it for themselves. So then lunch and the afternoon and the evening just all passed in disappointment. I imagine there were a lot of if-onlys that were talked about in that room that day. If only Jesus would have performed one more miracle. If only this kingdom that he talked about actually looked real right now, like there was a new king, like if only that were the case. And what I want to invite you to do this morning, whether you dressed up in finery or not, to come this morning with your if-onlys. What are the if-onlys that you need to bring to Sunday morning? If only there really was more to life than this. If only my family got along better. If only I lived somewhere else. Uh, if only this were true. And I just want to invite you to bring your, if only, your story into this Easter story. And see if God might have a miracle for you in transforming disappointment. Without a change of circumstance, actually changing that disappointment to peace. A really unexpected perhaps unprecedented, full well-being kind of peace. Because that's what Jesus brings to his disciples. You saw Kathy and Dave walked us through Sunday morning, but now let's get to Sunday evening at the end of the day when Jesus comes to his disciples. And I'm reading from John chapter 20, 
beginning with verse 19. Hear the word of the Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, it's a pretty unbelievable story. And so I ask by the power of your spirit, Lord, would you reveal to us what is true today? Lord, would it feel honest that there is space for disappointment here? And would it feel honest that we live in a hope and joy of the power of the resurrection actually making a difference in our lives today? That's not my work, that's yours. And so I ask by the power of your spirit, amen. Amen. How many of you are sitting next to somebody today who when they walk into the room, the whole room changes? Be nice, only nudge if you mean that kindly. Do you know what I'm saying? But there are people who can change a room when they walk in. Maybe some of you have a niece who likes to dress up in sparkles. And when she walks in the room, just like everybody just suddenly, like you can't help but smile. Anybody of you have, I got a niece like that. Some of you might have a dad who is a formal admiral that when you walk in public, people just salute him and you feel like you should in private too. Do you know what I'm saying? These are people who are room changers. They walk in and suddenly the room is different. Jesus is a room changer. When Jesus walks into the room, things change. Jesus walked into that room where his disciples were afraid, and suddenly there is a change in the atmosphere. Let's just like pause for a minute about how Jesus showed up in the room. Could we for a second? He was described, it's described that he, sh- he came, they were in a locked room. It's very, John's very clear about that. And then he shows up and stood among them. How did he get to be in the room? Let's just address how shocking this is. Those of us who are familiar with the story, let's not be so familiar that we don't go, that's weird. And be shocked and amazed that Jesus showed up in a locked room. So let me just address that so that we can all kind of image what is happening here. We know that Jesus isn't a ghost, okay? Because Earlier that morning, when Mary Magdalene sees him, she mistakes him for a human being, but doesn't immediately recognize him as Jesus. So he's in a a body, somehow similar, but different, but can show up in a locked room. That's not happened before, okay? The disciples are used to strange things happening around Jesus. A couple weeks ago, they'd seen their friend Lazarus rise from the dead, but presumably, like, he became the same person and would go on to die again. So it's like a momentary thing. This thing with Jesus is totally different. He is in a resurrected body that we who follow Jesus believe is the eternal state that all of us will be in. 
um, the scriptures in Ephesians talk about him as a forerunner. He was the firstborn from the dead, meaning that when all of us rise up, we end up in recognizable but different walking, talking, eating bodies that somehow seem to defy the laws of nature. Um, because we believe that we're going to come back and inhabit a new heavens and a new earth. And something's different in that scenario where that resurrected body can walk through a wall. It's amazing, okay? So let's just all approach the fact that this is a miracle story, right? And that includes things that are supernatural, above the natural. So Jesus has died, and he's risen again, and he's showing up in a not ghost, but resurrected body, in the middle of a locked room. Understandably, the first thing the disciples want to figure out is, who is this guy? Do you know? Like, is this really Jesus? And so it says that he says, peace be with you, and then he shows them his hands and his side. His hands and his side were, Jesus's were distinctly different because when he died on the cross, the nails would have pierced his hands or more likely his wrists, so he would have had scars from the cross. He would have had a scar in his side from where the sword went through to make sure that he was dead before the Sabbath began. So when he shows them that, there's a, there's a moment where it is, beyond a doubt that this non-ghost-like, resurrected, walking, talking, and one of the other stories, eating, Jesus is the Jesus, the one who died and rose again. And it says that that moment when he showed them, it, that changed things. Because then it says, I, I love that, he, um, that John actually brings this forward in verse 20. It says, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. They have a change of heart. And so Jesus tries his message again. So he said it once to his afraid disciples, and now he says to his glad disciples, peace be with you. Jesus has the authority to bring peace. And I just love this. His disciples needed to hear Jesus say, peace be with you, when they were afraid. And they needed to hear him say, peace be with you when they were glad. They needed the authority that came from the Lord to actually extend peace. We love the word peace here at Kitsap House. If you heard Larry earlier, he mentioned to you that we say that we are a church for our neighbors. We don't exist for ourselves. This isn't to make us happy and to make us better. And um, we exist as a community for the sake of our neighbors. And we seek God's shalom in our neighborhoods. That word shalom is a, it's a word that Jesus would have walked around saying on the regular. And he definitely said here because it's a Jewish word. Jesus was Jewish. And so shalom was their greeting for peace. But it meant more than just an absence from conflict. Shalom means wholeness, well-being, full restoration and put back together. And so Jesus is the one who has died and experienced the broken and the violence of humanity and resurrected. He gets to come with the scars that prove that he went through it all with the authority to now say, I change the atmosphere here. Peace be with you. This is yours to have. 
I really needed it on um, Wednesday particularly. I don't know why. Wednesday was just the day that I rolled over and it was just going to be a crummy day. And luckily I had been in this scripture, in this particular passage enough to know that Jesus would want to extend peace with me that day. And because I'd spent the night before filling 180 Easter eggs with candy for our neighborhood egg hunt yesterday, it was just natural for this then to become the illustration that stuck with me on Wednesday, and it worked for me. So let's just, let's just have a moment with the eggs. Here's what I pictured. I was lying in bed thinking, this can be a bad day. It's like already after 8 o'clock. No, no day starts well after 8 o'clock for me. And so I actually pictured the Lord saying, peace be with you, Megan, as if he's like giving me an Easter egg. A little piece. Oh, okay, I'll take that, I'll take that. Do you know, it came back to me again in the car on the way to work. I said, peace be with you. I was like, oh, good, I need that. And again at the desk, peace be with you. I was so grateful that the Lord would extend peace to me. Now that picture breaks down real fast, okay? So let me just like take it further because that's what a good preacher does. I just like want a borderline heresy, okay? Just going to run right on that edge today, just, just so you can stick with me, okay? So Jesus doesn't just like dole out peace to you like it's a quantifiable like object that ends, because what happens then is you get peace, but then if I hadn't been in the passage of Scripture, I could have been run out of peace, or if I hadn't been to church in a couple of weeks, there could be not be enough peace, or the Bible sits on the shelf, whatever. Okay, that's not how it works. So Jesus is more like, you're going to love this, an Easter energizer bunny. Okay? He's, he's the bunny with the basket. And his, just, his presence goes with you and you get peace. And I would toss it further, but I'm actually scared. I feel like Larry can catch my eggs. Oh, Zach, you can get it? Okay. So peace be with you. He's, he goes with you everywhere you go. Because peace isn't an object, it's a presence. And so the peace actually just keeps going. What is that? I could not remember what the old Energizer handle was. Anybody got it? Just keeps going, right? Yeah, the Energizer battery just keeps going. The Lord goes with you. Peace goes with you. The presence of God goes with you wherever you go. He comes with the authority to bring shalom, to bring peace to you. And it doesn't end there. Because peace is not just given for our own sake. Our faith is not one of self-fulfillment. Our faith is a shared faith. It's a gathered faith. It's a faith that is intended to change the community, to change the world. It's a kingdom level faith. So Jesus doesn't end by saying, peace be with you. He keeps going. Verse 21, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The authority that was in the Lord Jesus to walk into a locked room and say, Peace be with you. He is now given to those who would believe him to take peace with them wherever they go. Do you guys remember the first job you had? Some of you don't have your first job yet, so it's coming for you. But there, we remember the time where your employers gave you keys to the building. Do you guys remember this? 
My first place was after college. I was working for a bed and breakfast, and they gave me keys to the B&B, which gave me just the remarkable privilege and responsibility of being the first to open the door and the last to leave, right? That was a hard job, did not make it very long. But I distinctly remember not getting the keys to the coffee shop that I worked in in college. They didn't even let me touch the espresso machine, okay? Huh, well, come on, am I trustworthy or not? I knew my place there. I was just a worker. I was just there to get things done, right? But you remember the authority that came when you were entrusted to open the doors and to lock it back up, right? Jesus says, I am sending you as I was sent with the authority to bring shalom, with the authority to walk into the room and to set it up for the hospitality of the presence of God. You have this authority. When um, we were praying on Thursday, um, we pray every Thursday at 703 Kitsap Street. Uh, Thursday noon prayer is how we started as a community, so we keep that going. And we are praying through this passage. And I love that um, one of the people praying really pictured what it would um, and invited God to come into locked places in our lives and to show up with peace. So places that we are barred up from bitterness or anger or doubt or true disappointment in God and the church. And we've shut areas of our life off. Imagine Jesus coming with his authority and coming into broken places, boarded up places and extending shalom. And then we as the followers of Jesus, operating in his authority, prayed for you that the shalom of God might come into broken, barred up, and hurting places. You have actually a lot of authority to walk into places and to extend shalom. Sometimes that's really natural if you have somebody who you know where they are in their faith with God or their curiosity about God and they're really stressed, you can just put a hand on their shoulder and say, I see you, I see that you're hurting. Can I just say in the name of Jesus, peace be with you. You actually can say that. There's a lot of places that a lot of us are in seven days a week or at least five days a week where that would not be appropriate or appreciated at all. But you know what? You got, the, you, got, you got a hidden Energizer Bunny with you, you know? Like, people can't see this guy. So you can actually bring him with you into locked places where you need security clearance or you just need the right badge or the right friendship or whatever. You get to bring Jesus with you. And he's still a room changer. So when the boardroom gets all fired up and everybody starts yelling and they got all their, their, their uh, you, know, you know these moments, right? And you can feel yourself getting riled up, right? You actually can take a deep breath and hear Jesus say, peace be with you, and then respond with a completely different tone. Have you guys ever seen anybody do that? It's a room changer, right? At home, you might feel like you have more authority. I still have a seven-year-old. I still get to say whatever I want to him, right? So he gets on the bus, and I actually get to say, hey, buddy, you're not going to school alone. Peace be with you. God goes with you. I can still say that. When he's a teenager, do you think he's going to tolerate that? I don't know, but you know what? I have authority over his room. So when he's not at school, I can still go into his room and sing worship music. Just invite the presence of God, invite his shalom into that place. As the Father has sent Jesus, so he is sending us. 
And the shalom that he brings is not just on an individual level, though I'm so glad he starts there. He starts by speaking shalom to his friends. But then we communally, we, we can change up a place. And I believe and I see us as a community that will see our neighborhoods transformed as we restore God's shalom in our neighborhoods. So I'm so pumped that our invitation back to Easter, if you come back on a Sunday, great, we're still here. You know, we're going to be here every Sunday for the most part till December. I don't know. Till they, as long as they let us meet here, we're going to be here. But I really want to invite you to come back into our neighborhoods with us on Shalom Saturday. If you have an idea for your own neighborhood, Larry's told you what we're doing. We're going to be at our bus stop picking up litter. Because you know what? There is nothing that tells you what needs restoring in your community like picking up what people have thrown out. It tells you a lot about what's broken in your neighborhood. So we're going to do that together. And I, you know what? I think, I, think, I think we can get away with spreading some wildflower seed too. Because it's just... Who's, who's going to know? Just sprang up out of nowhere, right? Let's put some beauty around this place. All right. But if you have an idea for your neighborhood, great. If you're like, this is a really crazy idea. I'm not sure what this looks like. You can join us in our collective neighborhood, which is around our young adult residency down at 703 Kitsap Street, and come bless the downtown Port, H Port Orchard neighborhood with us. Well, I want to take Shalom Saturday. We're going to take Shalom out to the streets, you know? I'm pretty sure there's a song pretty close to that that I could steal for that. Jesus has the authority to bring us peace, and he's sending us out to establish his peace, his shalom, until he comes back. We're not on a meteor headed for destruction. We're in a kingdom, in a dwelling place that's heading for restoration. And we don't have to wait to see restoration restored. Invite the presence of Jesus to come with you. I'm so glad he's given us the keys to the kingdom. And the keys are not Easter eggs of peace that you're going to run out of. The keys are not a way of moral life that is a list of laws that you've got to obey and convince everybody that this is the way to obey God to get peace. The key to the kingdom is the presence of Jesus. And he says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. So wherever you go, you've got a room changer who goes with you, who wants to change the atmosphere where you live and work and play. How do we get his presence? How, how does his presence come to be near us? Thank, thank you, God, for verse 22. He says, and when he had said this, he's sending us, when he'd said that, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. He is the presence of God. That just like a wind can't be seen, but can be felt, the presence of the Spirit is real and can be felt even when he cannot be seen. His presence is the presence of peace, and he goes with you. And Jesus does something very distinct and very important here and to see very specifically what he does when he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit, because he's doing what he did on the first page of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 2, 
verse 7, when the word created the world, verse 7 says, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature. Did you hear that? The creator breathed the breath of life and the man became a living creature. This is a very distinct action of the creator God. To breathe and to give birth to something new. Fast forward Genesis to John 20 and we have the creator in a resurrected body. Breathing again and creating something that had never been created before. A newly restored living being. A new people. Once again, filled with the power of God. Once again, commissioned with the authority over creation to establish God's shalom and his order. And this was all given birth by the power of the resurrected Christ. This is where we get, to, we get to be spiritual people, not religious people. We get to be spiritual people because this is the story of our spirits coming alive. We believe in a God who created the world and made us in his image that gave us the permission to walk away from him and to assert our own way of life, which we did and still do. And Jesus did not walk away from us. He came toward us over and over and over again, culminating and coming to us in the person of Jesus, that he might put to death the selfish ambition that had been ruling our entire way of life. Put that to death on the cross so that a new way of life could be born in us again. A way of being restored to God, restored to his presence, fully inhabited by the person of the Holy Spirit, moving around in the world with the authority of shalom. Woo! Amen. Don't be so familiar with this, excuse me, that you are not shocked and amazed that this is how the story came back to life. If you guys are fiction or movie watchers, man, we're loving a good resurrection story this, these days, aren't we? This is the original resurrection story. We have been made new and have been given the authority of God's peace to move into the world. How do you receive? How do you receive a new spiritual life? You receive it like a gift. He breathes it. Receive the Holy Spirit. Here's the trick with a gift. You can reject it. It's on the table. Receive it. If you're going to walk away before you do, can I just ask, have you ever considered if this story might be real? And I especially want to ask from the perspective of, have you ever read the life of Jesus and considered, could this be the way to peace? This way of walking with and suffering and death and resurrection, could that be the way to peace? Because Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. His way is the way, the way of peace. So I want to invite us to take a moment to actually be like the disciples in the upper room. 
and invite God's Spirit to invite us to receive the Holy Spirit. So if you're willing, I'm, I'm not doing the like raise your hand thing if you've been in church before. I actually want to see if God wants to speak to you today. I want to invite you to close your eyes and let's just imagine coming with our if onlys. If only this story were true, if only there was more to life than this, um, if only things were different. And can you imagine Jesus standing in front of you? Could you imagine looking for and seeing the, hand, the holes in his hands and in his side? Can you see that? And what does that do to your well-being to see his scars? Then imagine Jesus saying, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Just invite you to sit with that for a minute. How would you respond if Jesus were to say to you, receive the Holy Spirit? Jesus, thank you that you can come and stand in front of individual people and in front of your people as a whole at the same time. I imagine Mary and Peter responding to you saying, receive the Holy Spirit differently from each other and differently from the rest of the room. And yet you were all invited to receive the Holy Spirit at the same time. Jesus, I pray that you would give us all collectively an experience of your shalom, of your peace, of the hope of your peace in this moment. And call us to respond. Amen. As I was thinking through this um, invitation from Jesus, it led me to a place of worship. And so if you would um, just share with me and how I would respond and sing, we exalt thee with me. To Jesus we sing, we exalt thee, we exalt thee, we exalt thee, O Lord, we exalt thee, we have been listening to the Kitsap House podcast sermon series, a Kitsap House production. 
we are located in Port Orchard, Washington, with in-person worship every Sunday at 1730 Southeast Mile Hill Drive inside the Raw Gym in the Town Square Mall. Services are 10 a.m. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you and God bless.